like we're holding our podcast together with tape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, pan, the pants of the pod. Yeah. The, pa- the pod pants, the pod are, pants. are pinned. Yeah. The pod pants are pinned. Hi, and welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing on guitar, it's Ms. Viv Albertine. A member of foundational English punk band The Slits, Viv is a defining figure in the British punk and post-punk scene and a fashion icon. And today we'll be learning all about her life, her music, her lovers, and her very good clothes from her book, Close, 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 Music, 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 Boys, Boys, Boys. But first, let's introduce our own guest. On the third mic on loan from The Village Voice, where she is the authority on fashion in films and erotic thrillers, it's Abby Bender. Hello. Hi. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Abby. Thank you. Um, so this is one of your first times on a pod, right? Um, yeah, I've been on a couple before, but I'm not a not a pro. Not, <laughs> not a big pod No head. such thing. A pod head? Yes. Oh, 420 is approaching. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> we should change the yeah, meaning of that Maybe holiday. that's when we'll do the Bob Marley book. <laughs> uh, with the legaliza- the upcoming legalization of recreational marijuana every day can be 420 <laughs> every day can have a 420 sweet whether you want to or not it just happens what if it's just the 20th of every month <laughs> 320 920 920 yeah yeah so Abby yes we asked you on here because we got to know you by doing a karaoke uh, you're yes. in our, our liberator <laughs> karaoke group with you. And uh, when we saw at least the music, 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 uh, close, close, close part of this. The uh, first six words of the title. Yeah. <laughs> you were the first person to come to mind because every time we do karaoke, you and ev- indeed every time we see you, you've got great clothes and you like writing about it. And uh, that's kind of why we, we reached out to you on this because it seemed like you and Viv might have uh, some, some things in common there. Thank you. Yes. I also only try... Like, I always try to do karaoke by very fashionable musicians. That's why I love... Well, that's why I love doing the Go-Go's, because they always had the best outfits. And, of course, Madonna. Stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I hadn't made that clear clear connection, but that's... uh, that's (laughs) No no scrubs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Fly fly honeys only. (laughs) I like that lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I would would never think about categories in my karaoke picks by clothing, but maybe next time I'll try to think think of that. I feel like uh, the people, and that this is no shade to you, but I feel like the karaoke folks you choose probably don't dress amazingly. I'm thinking specifically of um, uh, what what's the band that does the song uh, Yeah, Want It Up? Oh, Faith No More. I feel uh, like so Faith No More, like more probably. No, that's didn't such dress a good song, amazingly. though. It is such a good song. <laughs> Great song, bad clothes. Yeah, I'm sure they only wear cut off jean shorts and no shirts. <laughs> Which I mean, if you've got the bod, is a good look. Sure, but sure, uh, sure, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's the height of, of fashion. It was the '90s. Things are different. Now though. I kind of want to look at what the guys from Faith No More look of, like. Lots of flannel shirts. I yeah, bet. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a kind of like that rap rock. Jinko pants. Ooh. Did Jinko make shorts as well, or did you just have to cut it yourself into shorts? A Jinko. I mean, I can't really situation. turn turn it around with you, but it's like a real intersection. Between uh, 90s, early 90s rap, and it looks like early 90s rap and early 90s rock, but also like one of these guys looks like Weird Al, kind of. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't call them uh, fashion plates. Well. So we usually start these things by going around and saying what we uh, know about Viv Albertine. Okay. Uh, or our or subject how you feel. of the day, yeah. or how you feel going in. Um, Molly, do you want to start before? Sure. My my feelings about Viv and the Slits in general were that I was aware of the Slits as an iconic band, uh, trailblazing 
pioneers of uh just rock and roll in general, but specifically women playing rock. That being said, I feel like I'd probably listen to like two or three slit songs. I'm an embarrassing uh, feminist music listener in that a lot of my female uh, music ten- listening tendencies came f- from the wellspring of like the Spice Girls. <laughs> I had to dial back to like Riot Girl and then back to yeah. punk rock. Um, uh, it's not great, folks. I mean, this, you know, we love. We love the Spice Girls, but they were inspired by many folks before. We love we love our spicy girls. We love the spicy <laughs> spicy five. Yes. Um, yeah. So I came into this pretty pretty cold. Mm-hmm. So and I came out steaming hot. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great this is a great book. We'll get into it, but I actually really enjoyed this book. Um, I had a phase where I like tried to go back, and we were just talking about quote unquote the canon mm-hmm. relating to another form of film. I had a phase where I tried to like go back and read and consume as much of quote unquote, the canon mm-hmm. of alternative music in the 20th century as I can. So I definitely, you know, went and listened to uh, a bunch of slit stuff at one time, though it didn't really uh, stick with me. And then I kind of had divorced her as fashion and scenester icon from her being actually in one of the bands because mm-hmm. I knew that she was in and around the Clash uh, and those people. Yeah, she dated Mick Jones. She hung out with Sid Vicious, uh, Johnny Thunders. Like, we'll, we'll all get into all of those Johnny crazy Thunders. relationships. Anything that involves Johnny Thunders some, ends some up hot being weird. Punk gossip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is going to be, I, I'm looking forward. That's exactly what I'm looking forward to yeah. is some hot punk gossip. But also, I want to hear about some of the Slits touring experiences and like uh, playing experiences and what it was like being in a band like that among the other uh, ruder boy bands. Yes. Those rude boys. <laughs> Abby, what are your feels? Um, I feel like I'm in a similar boat to you, Molly, because I have always heard about them and thought they seemed super cool. I'm not super familiar with their music. I mean, I know they're Big songs like the typical girls and that stuff, mm-hmm. and I love. I've always loved that co- that album cover of them where they're like, "What is it? They're like covered in mud or something." Yes, um, <laughs> and I, I feel like I've definitely like read about them as fashion icons and punk icons. So it's basically like they've always had a mystique of this early punk cool girlness, which yes. I'm totally into. Amazing. Well, this will get, I think, hopefully you come out of this feeling, you know, I think we can probably all agree that the the mythos of punk rock uh, feels really intimidating. Mm-hmm. You know, perhaps if we played the game of if I was around at that time, would I have done that thing? And the answer is probably not. Oh my I'm, God, no I'm super square at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I take the bus to to um, punk town, but I'll never stay the night. Yes. But uh <laughs> What the great thing that Viv does is just totally demystifies everything, and it's just kind of like I'm a, I was basically a normal person who wa- loved music so much and just happened to get into this. Like this is just the way people lived. It's not mm-hmm. like it was especially cool or interesting. In fact, it was usually just like dangerous and a real hassle. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. It, 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 it she made it seem both normal and accessible. I feel like. A lot of times in the earlier eras, in like the 70s and 80s of doing bands, people got kind of fell into it in in a way that they thought, well, this is just kind of what we're doing. You know, you Mm -hmm. can get a square job or try to make up being in a band your job. And a lot of people talk about that this work in that way of like, oh, we're just this is just a job that we do. Yeah. Uh, 
And now you really have to be committed to being kind of in a fringe case to be in a touring band. It's true. It's true. Shall we? Shall Shall we we get into the the vividness? Um, Okay. Our friend uh, Vivienne Albertine was born December 1st, 1954. Uh, She opens her book and says that anyone who writes an autobiography is either a twat or broke. I'm a bit of both. Um, (laughs) Keeping it real. So she grows. (laughs) I really like that she brought up the second one because I feel like that is a huge source of a lot of the memoirs that we read. Yeah. Also, like, imagine making money from writing a book, too. Like, that's crazy. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, the publishing world being what it is. She grows up in North London. Um, she's relatively not well off. She says when her parents uh, plan a party, she wanders around picking fluff from the threadbare rug. And that's the first time I'd seen our flat through other people's eyes and realized we lived in a dump. Uh, yeah. Um, her parents get divorced when she's pretty young. Her dad just kind of sounds like an asshole, Mm -hmm. uh, just like didn't want to be involved in the family's life. Um, She tells him that she wants to be a pop star when she grows up, when she's uh, in her, like she's like seven or eight. And he says, uh, you're not chic enough. Rude. Yeah. Well, that seems like it might be a motivating event. Also, yeah, and I feel like that just speaks to the time that maybe it was of just like you can't be a pop star unless you're like Francoise Hardy or something, <laughs> or just like uh, like a very like chic French woman. It's also yeah. a weird thing to say to a small child. Yeah, it's like a child can't really be chic. No, it's like that's something that you develop as you like become mature and sophisticated. Right, life experience. Yeah, I've never met a chic child personally, except for I guess maybe the the. Would the royal family, the, would Charlotte <laughs> and George be considered chic? I don't know. that. Soigné, perhaps? That baby is very fancy. <laughs> it is a fancy baby. George but, is fancy. But that's not that baby's style. That's the style that's being imposed on it by the, the crown of England. <laughs> chic by order of the queen. Yes. That's fine. Um, in the late 60s, uh, Viv is a youngish teen. She and her friend hear about an anti-war protest in Trafalgar Square. They spend all Saturday morning tie-dyeing t-shirts, getting their outfits ready mm-hmm. to go. They're so excited to do a bunch of chanting, and they get there so late that they miss the actual demonstration. Aww. But it's still a great day for them because they get to wander around uh, London in their tie-dye t-shirts, mm-hmm. shouting, hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's interesting to me because... I feel there is a bit of an undercurrent uh, of snark at fashion protesting in mm, um, mm-hmm. in 2017 and beyond, mm-hmm. uh, where a lot of it is, you know, what your how cool your science is, it says. And there are, you know, these galleries that are like the funniest signs from yeah. this week's protest. Or and, Ken- Kendall Jenner giving yeah. a Pepsi to a cop. Yeah. Kind of aesthetic. Or like, I'm going to spend $200 on a t-shirt that says feminist on it. Yes. Dude, in our very neighborhood, there's a horrific boutique that does like mother and kid mannequins. And the, oh, I saw it recently and the mom mannequin wore a t-shirt that said dissident and the the kid wore a t-shirt that said activist. And I was like, I don't think your kid is an activist and I don't think you're a dissident. And these shirts probably do cost $200. Extremely bougie Brooklyn right there. But hearing stuff like that of them getting, wanting to get their shirts all ready to go down to the protest, you know, you got to assume that there was a lot of that then. And then I'm also remember thinking of, you know, if it was like 1918, and after, like, the Triangle Shirtwaist fire, you got to mm-hmm. imagine that even then there were girls being like, what are you going to wear down to the anti-workplace yeah. fire uh, and, demonstration? 
And what I like with the thing you just mentioned is that it's like really sincere. That yeah. They're tie dyeing their own shirts. They're doing it themselves. So right? that's kind of sweet. Yeah. DIY. Yeah. Love. She also mentions. It, I guess this must have been a, a bit later, but she sees uh, David Bowie play in 1972. I noted this because everyone's like seminal rock experience mm-hmm. is Bowie, at least of people in a certain generation. Yeah. They see Bowie and they're like, oh, that's a rock star. Yeah. Oh, you can do that. You can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the greatest thing is that she says he tried to crowd surf, but he got dropped on the ground because there weren't enough people <laughs> and people didn't really understand what crowd surfing was. Imagine being at a Bowie concert where there weren't enough people. To yeah, what the Bowie. hell? <laughs> yeah. And just being like, oh, I'm supposed to hold. Oh, is that why you're jumping into my arms right oh, these, now? Oh, these shoes are so heavy. It also <laughs> should have been, it seems like it would be super easy for him to crowd surf. Like, he wouldn't even need that many people because he was, like, so skinny. So she says he tries <laughs> to get back on stage, and he climbed over me, kneeing me in the chest, and treading on my head with his silk boxing boot. He's not as dainty as he looks. <laughs> so I feel like, does David Bowie have a really dense body? <laughs> or just, like, really heavy clothes? Yeah. I don't know. Um, when she's 16 years old, she goes to Amsterdam with her friend Zaza, and she catches crabs from hooking up with a junkie whose squat she stays in. That's This is like her whomst, taste of the punk rock life. Oh, yeah. Is this our whomst among <laughs> yeah, us moment? Yeah, among us. Um, when she notices the crabs, she, sa- she said, I scream. Not an oh, help, I've seen a spider scream, but an I am the host of living creatures scream. <laughs> Thank you like for a- clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> She's got kind of a, a, a motherly feel, or feel to these crabs. Yes. She is, she is nurturing them. <laughs> and then she, she murders them all. Um, she goes to art school, as one does, and she works in a bar called Dingwalls for money. <laughs> Nice. I, don't, I don't know what everyone's personal ding walls was, but I think everyone has a ding walls. Yeah, everyone has a ding walls. <laughs> of their where, own. Where everybody knows your name. Ding uh, walls. So. She, <laughs> ding walls where everybody knows. Yeah. Rede- rede- things that may have sunk cheers before uh, before it started. If you're like, we're pitching this sitcom. It's a classic story of a disparate group of kind of blue collar folks, but they all meet up at the bar and it kind of is all these lives intersecting, but it's funny and they kind of all love each other and hate each other at the same time. Great. What's the name? Dingwalls. <laughs> Very pass. cliche British name. Named it after me pub I loved when I was just a kid. Uh, she is walking to work one night and two guys uh, like jump her content warning sexual assault they try to rape her before the bar manager happens to drive by she goes to the cops to report the incident and one of them says well what did you expect going around dressed like that she said she was wearing a denim skirt a denim jacket and stripy tights bad times so men have always been bad men have always been bad (laughs) I mean, not all men, but... Oh, right. Hashtag Thank not you. all men. Yes. Thank um, you for hashtagging it for me. No, it's... Th- this is... These are like the cliches yeah, from Yeah, that's which such this a cliche. Such a cliche thing to say. Ugh. Yeah. Where... Oh, going around with your stripy tights. Fuck <laughs> off. Um, she then drops out of school. She starts squatting in an abandoned building. Um, this is when she kind of like crosses over to the punk side. And it's not really... There's, music is involved, but I think it's also more of just like a lifestyle choice. Okay, well, if I live in a squat, then I'm probably not going to shower that much or like groom that much. And so my hair is <laughs> well, probably going to go a little the crazy. The average standard around you goes down significantly. Yeah. So, you know, you, you just don't have to keep up quite as much to still be among the, the most fashionable, the most chic among the squat. Sure. Um, she says that she eats cornflakes for most meals with the occasional Kit Kat or Mars bar thrown in for a treat. <laughs> Just diced up in the cornflakes. Yeah, I guess. Um, 
Yum. <laughs> I would try it. Just trapped up in there. Uh, and then she meets Mick Jones. She <laughs> says, when she realizes she has a thing for him, she says, fucking hell, I've only gone and fallen in love. <laughs> they just, they were like friend, friend buddies. And then yeah. they realize that they love each other. But then they have a very tumultuous on and off, open and closed relationship because she, you know, she's a flirt. He goes on tour. Like it's a whole thing. But the, what I've learned from this book is that Mick Jones is very, he's a good boy. That's he's good. an ally. He's mm-hmm. constantly supporting Viv like throughout her life. So he's a woke bay. He is a woke bay. <laughs> yes. Mick Jones is one of the original punk punk rock woke bays. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, so they go see the sex pistols. I mean, I'm sure we'll learn eventually, but I'm interested to hear how the other members of the class stack up. Um, I know that Topper's about uh, them. A, a bit of a shithead. Wait, the who? Topper. Oh. The drummer. She doesn't talk too much about them except she says um, uh, Paul is is hot and lives with her at one point, mm-hmm. but in a non-sexual well, what, way. I mean, of course, he's the bassist. Well, yeah, and just like, it's a squat. Like, yeah. he, that's just what people do. Oh, no, you I'm hang out a couple nights. He was hot. Of course he was hot. Oh, he's hot. He's the bassist. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. Yes. Um, so they see the Sex Pistols. And um, Viv says that she feels like she's not cool because she's not wearing black. She's wearing <laughs> colors. And she's like, okay, mental note, don't wear colors anymore. Um, but she says, this is the first time I've seen a band and felt there are no barriers between me and them. In the sense of like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, because they like, they suck. <laughs> they were not good. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but like when I found out about the Sex Pistols and then listened to the Sex Pistols, I was kind of like, oh, like. They're they're fine, but they're kind. Of, I don't really get it, but I guess it was more the not being good that was important. I mean, I, I don't know if we'll ever get around to talking about the Sex Pistols. This is a, it's an album of very competent rock guitar rock anthems. Yeah, uh, but I think that it must have just been so revolutionary to see a band doing it that loud. And, I mean, obviously yeah. it was doing it that loud and, and that revolutionary. Yeah. Um, I think that the Ramones are maybe more of a stylistic revolution. If we're talking about the like two, perhaps the two only true punk bands. The only is is that we've decided that there are two. Yeah, I think I mean, I think I was over this. I went over this in a previous episode, how like punk, quote unquote, only exists for like three months in the summer of 1977. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, the Ramones have that stylistic revolution of stripping everything down and just playing everything as fast and loud and angry as possible. And then. The, wearing those leather jackets. Yeah, and then the sunglasses. Sex Pistols then add a their stylistic addition is a, a particularly British sarcasm to it. And mm. and uh I mean not intellectualism, but you know, the 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 way that they make it very specifically British and anti-authoritarian in the very specific way against the uh calcified upper class of of I think that they were more political. Yeah. naturally and the Ramones were just a little more uh, but then again lifestyle you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're talking exa- I was just gonna say we're like talking of a range of like negative one to one because yeah. the Ramones are like we like sniffing glue and that is our uh, political statement and this, then this New York City block is the one where you can buy a prostitute services yes and then the Ta-da! the Sex Pistols political statement is fuck the queen <laughs> <laughs> so obviously it's a very narrow range, but I guess if you're going to say one is more political than the other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Real deep stuff. Um, she, she also says that it's around this time that journalists start like sniffing around their scene and asking, uh, you know, who's in a punk band? Like, can we talk to them? Like when are you playing or whatever? Like it, 
the rumor of the scene brought in people who then created the mystique of the scene by writing about it. Yeah, it's Which, like a one to one ratio of promoters and art and artists yes, in this yes, scene, right? Yes. Um, Do they talk? Exactly does she talk right. at all about sex? Yeah, she does. She, so she go. She shops there. Although you know, she says, "Do you know the sex store?" Oh yeah, that's the uh, Vivian Westwood. Yes. And Malcolm yes. McLaren. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's their sexy bondage inspired fashion store. She Viv says it's like really expensive. So you <laughs> you basically own like two things from sex, but that still makes you a sex person. Yeah. Which I kind of like that. It's like all it takes is just the right. Like she talked about, she went in one day and Vivian Westwood was like, like these boots, you should definitely wear these. And she was like, oh, I don't know. Like they're super expensive. And like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do it. And she ended up buying them because she felt like she had to because Vivian Westwood told her to. And she still wears them. Yeah. Isn't there that quote from Malcolm McLaren about how the sex pistols were started in order to sell pants? (laughs) (laughs) I think. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. So that's the root of punk rock. Yeah. Selling pants. Also, she later on when she meets Sid Vicious, she says that he rips his pants accidentally and then just safety pins them together because he has literally no other pants. And the alternative would be to not wear pants. So I think punk rock is definitely the most pants adjacent, (laughs) pants uh, uh, synergistic (laughs) Genre of I music. Mean, I mean, we think of you know maybe eighties metal of the as like the leather pant but, uh, genre. I don't know. I feel like Led Zeppelin is definitely like extremely pants. Extremely, with, like, they are extremely pants. Super tight. Bruce Springsteen showing, is also very pants. Um, like very jeans specifically. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean. A lot of male artists are very pants. Bruce, yeah. Bruce, yeah, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen is very pants. You don't have a lot to play with in male fashion. Yeah. It's yeah. either so what kind of shirt are you pants. wearing, yeah. tight or floofy? <laughs> what kind of pants are you wearing, tight or weird? I feel like right now that men's music and thus fashion is broken down by like, are you wearing a leather jacket or a denim jacket? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like most, I would say most people right now are leather jacket with a, lean toward you know like Justin Timberlake was a leather jacket and now he's leaning more toward a denim yeah more like a flannel really yeah well <laughs> he he's going he's going earthy it's I was thinking of more more like you know if you're a pop man and you wear leather and if you're like a rock uh, under alt rocky type guy mm-hmm. you wear denim and then if you're like a cool uh, hip hop guy you wear like a silky open shirt <laughs> or like jeans. Bruno Mars wears those like vinyl uh, bomber jackets yeah stuff like that yeah anyway anyway pants pants pants. <laughs> well then you could see how, how revolutionary it would be for Sid Vicious to say to how he could make that into a fashion thing yes by just safety pinning up his pants because everybody around would be like oh my god you could do a third thing with pants yeah <laughs> You can destroy pants and build them again and make them into a new pant better than before. This man is a fashion genius. You know, like the Japanese concept of uh, like when you put gold in the cracks of a thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forget what that's called, but that's like that, but with leather. With pants. With pants. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, uh, She, Viv decides she wants to play music and she tells Mick that she wants to buy guitar um, because her grandmother her dead Swiss grandmother left her some, uh, two, I think, 200 quid 
inheritance and she's like I don't want to like fritter it away on nonsense and like hamburgers and stuff I want to buy a guitar and Mick goes yeah I've got a girlfriend who plays guitar oh I love it <laughs> my heart melted I like she doesn't even play guitar yet but yeah. she will yeah um, she gets a, a 1969 Les Paul Jr. she loves the curves of it like it's got a cute bum <laughs> in our long now longish tradition of um uh, guitarists in their memoirs getting a little horny for their guitars. <laughs> well, at least it cuts to it cuts both ways. It does. Mm-hmm. If you love a guitar, you gotta you gotta kind of love it sexually a little bit. I yeah. Think. So she starts. She meets Sid Vicious, and they start a band together called the Flowers of Romance. <laughs> Great band name. Yeah. Um, she practices guitar by herself. She says she tries to imitate the sound of wild animals um, <laughs> as like when she's not trying to learn actual chords, she's looking for, in all caps, the sound. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> the sound, the, the um, what what did Nile Rodgers call deep it? Hidden the deep hidden meaning. Everyone's looking for that that thing. The I think uh, Joe Perry called it like the lost chord. The, the phantom chord? Phantom chord. The undiscovered um, chord? Yeah. Maybe the Black Eyed Peas had a word for that. Too. Oh, they did have a they did have a thing. Oh, Remember shit. that uh, they were always trying to do until they just gave up and said uh, boom, 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 pow, boom, boom, pow, two hundred times in a song. I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, so she also she meets Johnny Thunders of the Heartbreakers, and they they snog occasionally. Um, she says when they kiss, he yells to his drummer, "I feel something." <laughs> I guess he's Wait, like. So the drummer's just like in the room yes. while they're kissing. I feel like this is the nature like, of punk rock too: is that no one has any private yeah, space yeah. at all. It's also rock and roll in general, but I feel like specifically punk rock with the nature of like their communal living. No such thing as yeah. having a private snog. It's like all out there for everyone to see. Which is why they're. Floor. Which is why we get so much good punk rock gossip. Because yes. everything had to do, everyone had to do everything in front of everyone else. Everyone sees there everything. There were like 10 seats in CBGB. There was no place to hide. <laughs> True. Um, then uh, Johnny gets word from Sid that he's going to kick Viv out of the flowers of romance. Rude. Um, Johnny offers her some heroin to oh, no. sort of numb the pain of like getting dumped out of your band. And she says, yes, it is her only time doing heroin. Oh, which is relief. so strange. Yeah. She she basically says she's like, wow, this was really great, um, and it really helped the the sting the of getting kicked out of your band. Only person ever who has done heroin once said, "This is great, thank you." Wow, she's like the most logical rock yeah. star I've ever heard she's of. She's a heroin superhero. I I really I have so much respect. She's for a heroin heroine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also just always think it's funny because you know I've read a number of these history of punk books you know please kill me and um, a lot of like New York centric ones Mm -hmm. uh, love goes to buildings on fire Um, and you always kind of imagine that these there are like a few scene leaders and these scenes are a little bigger but every time you read one of these books it's the same 10 guys yes Mm -hmm. these the scene was so tiny like minutely small yes uh, on, it's and it is like ten guys on both sides of the the Atlantic because <laughs> yeah. Johnny Thunders is a prime he's a New, New York guy yeah and then all, Sid Vicious and those guys all come to New York and and meet the other ten guys yeah doing it in New York yeah and I what's mean, what's amazing is that all you really need is the desire to be in the scene yeah 
and there is kind of a spot for you. It seems like the hardest situation for Viv and just for people in general is finding people to be in a band with you um, consistently because some people are drug addicts. Some people are just like flaky. Um, some people aren't on the stage. She, she mentions at one point that um, uh, uh, Chrissy Hayden from The Pretenders, no one wants to be in a band with her because she's too good. <laughs> so like, I mean, true. The it's shit like that. You, you have to find people on your level too. Yes. That was a problem. A big problem with the New York dolls is that they all sucked exactly the right, <laughs> the same amount yeah. And so they could only work together, but they but the problem then was they all sucked. They all sucked. <laughs> so they were always the band that was almost there, but they couldn't ever work with anybody else. Yeah. And they all just were just enough fuck ups to not be able to make it big themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's the struggle. Um, so she uh, Viv gets an invite from the slits to join their band or to rehearse with them and try out because they're looking for a new guitarist. And her initial reaction is oh, I think it might be corny, cliched, and uh, tokenistic to have an all-girl band because I feel like it seems so wild and out there. Um, Kind of, you know, in the same way of, like, The Runaways. We talked about uh, Shuri Curie a couple episodes ago of just, like, the all-female thing makes it a thing as Mm -hmm. opposed to, I just want to play music. But then she plays with them and she's like, oh, this is actually really great. I want to join your band. It's interesting how little that has changed. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think about that a lot. I, I used to think about this a lot in the female improv scene when I hung out in that. Yeah. Is that there were a lot, there were mostly male dominated groups, whether it's a few all male groups, mostly majority male groups, and then like a small subsection of all female groups. Mm-hmm. But you never saw a group that was mostly women yeah. that was like, you know, five women, three guys and or something like that. And then if it's that. all women, it has to be a thing. And yeah. the first thing you mentioned. It's like, we're right. all female. Yeah. We're an yeah. all female. Yeah. Band. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I get that um, that worry from Viv. Um, but she says, after rehearsal with the slits, I have a warm feeling inside. That feeling you get when you've created something. A cross between a doing a job well and stretching yourself. <laughs> I just loved that because I feel like she totally nailed what it feels like to be like happy with something that you've created. Yeah. Just like a good stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With your ladies. I usually feel incredibly uh, cramped after I've created something since I'm usually editing hunch over the, hunched <laughs> over this laptop. And so when I'm done with something, I feel proud of it, but then also enormously uh, cramped. I, also, I always just feel like exhausted and gross because I get all my best work done at like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well. Need got to a, Need to get on. Got to start. Yeah. Get on Viv's level. Get on Viv's level. Although I guess like doing work really late at night can like sort of be punk yeah yeah oh yeah (laughs) i think so so yes she plays with the slits and she loves it loves them wants to be in the band um the lead singer of yes can i ask a question yes how long had the slits been together at this point not long okay they had had another guitarist i think that only that was the only member that they had before her and uh palm olive is the Mm -hmm. drummer yeah um yes which is actually a sort of a garbled version of Paloma because she's <laughs> Spanish, um, which is not uh, it sounds you know, like British something a, a, like a vaguely racist manager at a yes. restaurant she worked at would be out like you over there. Uh, what's your name? Palm Olive. Get yeah. up. <laughs> Li- quite quite literally, but she she went with it. Um, they had been. I think Palm Olive might have been in the Flowers of Romance as well, mm-hmm. but this was the first time. Ari up is the. Uh, 
the German born lead singer who's oh, just real 15 years international old. International yeah. superstar. It is. It, no, it totally is. Um, but she's just, she's 15 years old. She, uh, Viv says she's loud, boisterous, rude, unstable, and desperate for attention every second of the day. <laughs> but is also, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know when she's born, but she sounds like a Leo to me. Um, she, <laughs> but she has lots of musical talent and she's a massive, like her, her presence is too big in everyday conversation, but it's perfect for stage of just being like, it really just sounds like she's always yelling. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It does sound like she's always yelling. Um, Viv also says that she starts to intensely watch Viv Mm -hmm. as if she's like stealing her soul, just staring at her like every second of the day and copying her. She'll Mm -hmm. copy her word for word in interviews. Like Mm -hmm. Viv will say something and then Aria will say the exact same thing. Like during the same interview. Yeah. She's kind of like trolling people. How old is Viv at this point? So this is so interesting. She's 22. She's like 21 or 22. She's like old. She's like compared to the rest of them. Yes. Yes. Yes, which I think is like so nuts. It's like she's a 22 year old and like she's in a band with a 15 year old. Yeah. Because um, she and like Viv's it's like style. Intergenerational, international, all women. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Viv's style basically, she says it's, it's like. 22 to 15 intergenerational. It feels intergenerational at that at that uh, time in your yeah. life. Yeah. When you think of someone seven years younger than you. In general, that's like or imagine being, another micro generation. Imagine being twenty two when you mo- when you got to New York in twenty two and hanging out regularly with a fifteen year old. Yeah, socially. Yeah, that would be weird. Not a right? normal fifteen year old either. You're right. But, a very loud fifteen year old. Yes, very loud. It's but loud Viv, Viv says lady. her her style at this point is like she basically wants to dress in a way that men can't tell whether they want to fuck her or uh, kill her. Like she just <laughs> okay, wants to dress like a it. sort of like unstable, like sexual, but not mm-hmm. it's like sexual lies, but almost making fun of the idea of being yeah. sexual and she says that Ari dresses that way too but it's like way creepier on 15 year olds <laughs> and so whenever men try to like make passes at Ari she gets really mad because she's just like what is your problem yeah. dude like she's dressed like uh, she you she's making fun of the idea of you being attracted to a 15 year old um, we've got we've kind of put in hits here and there but uh, do Abby do you have any thoughts of punk fashion as a whole on yeah. how, how it could be considered a distinct movement Well, it's interesting because I feel like as soon as you start talking about punk fashion, you sort of are like almost getting away from the definition of punk. But at the same time, you can't not talk about it because it's so good. And like, obviously, I always come back to like Debbie Harry and all of her looks were like amazing. And, you know, she was like hanging out with all the cool designers and everything. But like, it's a weird thing where it's like, it feels like such a commercial thing to talk about now to be like, yeah, punk fashion. But well, it's, it's like the Met Gala. And it's still- yeah. Did you see that? Oh my God, that was so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad yeah. we all agree. Yeah. And then like, but then when you're looking at something like this, like with the slits, it's totally, it is fashion. It's also totally organic because they're just coming up with this stuff all on their own. And I love just reading any description of like when, you know, I think there's like some of this in please tell me like some of like the groupies and stuff, just talking about like getting the craziest stuff from thrift shops or like designing mm-hmm. their own clothes or cutting stuff up and just making it look weird. So that sense of designing something yourself or putting your own spin on it rather than having something prefabricated. That's something that's really cool and really specific to that mm-hmm. moment that I like. Yeah. And it feels very personal in a way. And again, yeah. this goes back to the scene very being teeny, teeny, tiny, that there would be a few people who would make a decision to do something 
And then that would kind of egg other people on to do something to either one up them or follow the other yeah. person. But it it was very it was a discreet taste, but made of a few idiosyncratic people. And also I have to share well, one of my favorite like punk fashion related stories is in Please Kill Me when they're talking about Joey Ramone, like before <laughs> the Ramones started, I think. Just uh-huh. and he, he was like really into glam rock and really into Bowie. And he would just go hitchhiking in Queens wearing a jumpsuit and like knee high boots and like a sparkly belt or something. And just that image of Joey Ramone wearing that kind of outfit is so like on Queens Boulevard, yeah, like, down. <laughs> like yeah. literally in Queens. <laughs> and like I just love that image so much. Like the awkwardness of it is so endearing to me. Yeah. Yes, and, yes. And I also imagine all of those guys as until they actually became the Ramones, very awkward teens. Oh, totally. Yeah, they were. So, sometimes you need a squad in order to not look like an yeah. idiot. Yeah, well, the Ramones are as much a costume as the uh, totally as the glam stuff is. Yeah, I mean, now it seems they seem like they're dressed well, like even that they're the Ramones, that they're yeah. all Ramone, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Because, uh, you know, you see them and you associate that look with that time now. But, you know, they were like cosplaying 50s yeah, greasers. Totally. Right. Oh, also, I love all the fashion in rock and roll high school. Oh, yeah. Um, All of PJ Soul's looks are inspiring. I've never <laughs> watched all of rock and roll high school. Oh, my God. You need to, you need to watch it right away. Maybe we it's should do so a, wa- a watch and, and pod on rock and roll pod, high school. A, a non-director's cut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a bonus set, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, one other thing from punk rock fashion that I think is kind of hilarious is that some of it is just sort of like a duh moment that maybe we take for granted now, but it was just someone did it first. Mm-hmm. Like Viv was saying that she started wearing, she just really wanted Doc Martens because that was kind of what the like skinheads wore, but sort of anyone who wanted to dress in a tough manner because they were tough shoes yeah, <laughs> and you could kind of, you know, do whatever you wanted in them. But she wore them with dresses and she's like, no one had really done that. And then people started to do that. Oh my God. I was like, so oh cool. yeah. She invented Doc Martens and dresses. She very well might've, but it's That's, kind of it's like, amazing yeah, that that everyone does that be... all the time now. Yeah. But, but she just is like, what if I wore these very masculine, and tough, heavy, heavy shoes with a dress? And I mean, I'm wearing jeans right now, but I'm wearing my Doc Martens right now <laughs> as we record this. So thank you, Viv. The legacy. I love when yeah. you feel like you can trace something pop cultural that seems ubiquitous in pop culture yeah. back to a single person and a single decision. Like casually inventing grunge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in like... <laughs> It's crazy. So um, the Slits, they they form, they are formed. They go on tour to open for The Clash. Um, at every show they play, a hail of spit rains down on us throughout the set. It's it's the, it's England, so there's going to be spitting. Everyone loves to spit at these things. They also um, they record a Peel session at the BBC, which is kind of funny that they record that before they actually record a real album. Um, yeah. The doorman at the BBC says, you can't tell if they're boys or girls. And Viv says, I bet that's exactly what they said when the stones came through the door. <laughs> Do you want to hear a hair of this peel session? Yeah, please. Uh, let's go to uh, instant hit. He is a boy. He's very thin. I'm sure tomorrow. Yep, it's so German. 
So this is like even more rough than some of the other stuff coming up at this time. Yes. Um. Also, I have a context question. Yes. Are they before or after the raincoat? I think they are slightly before uh-huh. because Palm Olive ends up joining the raincoat. Okay, yeah. But they're almost concurrent. Yeah, because I feel like I always think of them sort of together. Yes. Yeah, they eventually actually tour yeah. with each other in like 2009. The raincoats start playing, and then I think Viv plays solo opening for the raincoats, um, which is kind of wild. Yeah. Um, Which is something that Carrie Brownstein blogs about (laughs) in 2009, which Carrie Brownstein blogging about the raincoats (laughs) and Viv Albertine playing a show is so 2009. (laughs) Like, what a a time. Anyway. Before she had found her comedy voice. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so like... When you think of the Clash and Sex Pistols, which I guess are her literally direct contemporaries, yes. as in they like all live together. Mm-hmm. You know, those are <laughs> yes. those have much more discreet sa- song crafting. Like mm-hmm. all those songs are guitar anthems that follow very you know recognizable song patterns, and I feel like this is already diverting off into what we would consider more of a post punk. Uh, yeah. Movie. Yeah. But I think there's more of them not wanting to be like what they already have heard. Yes. I think Viv is concerned with having a unique sound. Right. Yes. While definitely them still struggling to work as a band, which is something that I don't think is easy for anybody, even if you are a good musician. And if you're just starting, uh, that could be like literally playing on time with the drummer and the bassist yes. is going to be a struggle. But yes. I think they make it sound cool. Yeah. That's why no, this thing cool. was and even a thing. And it's way it more, cool. it's a, its own thing mm-hmm. than the other, you know, uh, large bands of the time who are defining this punk sound, um, which is, which is interesting because it's already kind of splintering off into these many multifactored idiosyncratic types of music. Yes. And then they eventually do get much more influenced by, like, reggae um, mm-hmm. and kind of, like, go down that route, which I think is interesting, which they said was, uh, Viv says is very not uh, uh, not punk rock in the sense that bringing in other influences is thought of as, you know, diluting the punk purity or whatever. Um, but they obviously have larger interests than just being a punk rock band. I mean, probably their biggest or one of their most well-known songs is this cover of Heard It Through the Grapevine, mm-hmm. which I assume is part of that milieu. Mm-hmm. Ari specifically is like she's obviously a very unorthodox in the way she delivers but is also extremely tuneful that's the same like that's the same exact tune right as the original heard it through the grapevine it's funny it's not an easy song how obviously German she is yeah <laughs> so German <laughs> um, so this lets her kind of taking off 
Meanwhile, Nancy Spungen comes to London and sweeps Viv's friend Sid off his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, how does Sid, how never... does Sid come off in this book? Because I can only imagine him, uh, picture him as like ba- barely literate. Well, so uh, Viv describes him as embodying a, I think, like Jamaican proverb that she later <laughs> hears, which is play fool, act wise. Okay. So basically, <laughs> he seems like an idiot. He seems like a real like... Uh, plotting dumbass, but also he is secretly like aware of what everyone says is does and takes advantage of that. One of the, my favorite anecdotes about Sid Vicious is that he would always come over to Viv's and he would look for pubes on her toilet and then be like, that's your pube, Viv. Like, oh my God, I found one of your pubes. And she was very, Viv was actually very like body conscious and body self-conscious of like smells, period blood like all that shit she was like super she did not want to talk about it she didn't want to be known as like having any of these things that's interesting which that's is like unpunk yeah exactly she just be like fuck it i'm gonna like yeah hell yeah that's and my bleeding. cue what do you want <laughs> no yeah. she said she's like Sid not knew quite exactly. a Wendy williams or whatever <laughs> <laughs> she said he knew exactly how to get to her because he was aware that she was self-conscious about Thank bodily God. things Rude. and so he would be like she said she would like try to clean and get rid of all the pubes in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, he sucks. Yeah. He like clearly has That's some. So but mean. again, I really feel that. I mean, so she says she knows how to push her buttons, but I guess like Barry comes off as like caveman brave uh, brain. Yeah. You know, like, right. He's still acting like an immature. I found, look, yeah. I found one of the no, no hairs. <laughs> It's like Beavis and Butthead or something. Yeah, exactly. Like pubes. So I guess this is a perfect example of the the two thing, two side thing. If if she says that he do this was doing this because he knew it was pushing her buttons, Mm -hmm. I mean that is smarter than the stupid action. He's aware of his brand. Yeah, yeah. That is very on brand for Sid Vicious. Also, she eventually wears um she makes her own earring that looks like a bloody tampon and wears it in one ear. So I just, the thing I love about Viv that I'm trying to like get nail down is that she has insecurities like any other woman person, mm-hmm. but especially woman. She, uh, is, she can be like shy. She can be self-conscious. And then yet she also just like goes balls out and does things anyway. She said that her, the thing that they should put on her gravestone is she was scared, but she went anyway. Which I like. Oh, I so relate to that. That's good. That's really good. Um, yeah, and it sounds like she it, she really folds the things that she's insecure in and thinking about into what she makes. I, I you know, I, I'm appreciating that she makes things. Yeah. You know, her clothes. Yeah. Uh, her music, obviously. Like she'll wear a fake bloody tampon around her ear, but then like Be is terrified of the real actual. one. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way of, uh, you know, metamorphizing the things that you have anxiety about into. Uh, things that become, you know, powerful and iconic. Make them your your armor in yeah. a way. Um, so yeah, wait, Nancy Nancy comes to town. So Sid was like, he was basically straight edge. Like he didn't really do drugs or drink that much. And then she just like got him hooked on the on the old old age town. Um, and like she, <laughs> That's what I mean, it's called. <laughs> yeah. the old age town. Took him to age town. Um, I feel like everyone in every scene memoir, every other kind of memoir, agrees that like Nancy like sucks and no one yeah. wanted to hang yes. out with her. Yeah. I almost feel kind of bad for her in a weird way, but she also did aggressively suck. Yeah. 
I think that I think Viv did. She says like, and that also almost like, like made me cry. She was just like when she, she didn't say anything about like the murders or whatever mm-hmm. else, um, or you know, oh, you, you know, know those old murders, <laughs> the murder. But she said she's like everyone deserves love, including Nancy. Aww. And I was like, that's true. Yes, Viv seems really like a good person. Just from everything you're saying, like she seems very wise. Yes, she's like very she's like tough and sensitive, but like mostly sensitive. Yeah, she's uh, like our punk mom. Yes, yes, <laughs> she's like you know hard hard candy shell, soft gooey center. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, eventually we should maybe when we do, please kill me. We'll maybe get into the full evaluation of Nancy Spongebob. But yeah, every it is that thing where again, very small scene. Uh, every everybody has nothing but to bad things to say about her, and to what extent you can be like somebody that is universally disliked by uh, g- given a bunch of often shitty people themselves, mm-hmm. who eventually very directly contributed to the downfall and death of herself and a promising member of this community, and like a bunch of other bad things. Like, can that person be considered fully a villain in this community of people who are all embracing? the most wild nihilistic uh, parts of themselves as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably not. But I think it's an interesting case study of, of who gets redemption and who does not. Yeah. Um, Just to shout out Viv's writing skills too. She describes she, Nancy asked her to spend the night one night um, and she like bores her with talking for hours and hours. And then she falls asleep and Viv says her boob falls out of the armhole of Sid's t-shirt. It rests there next to my shoulder on the black satin sheet, pale and pert, like a perfect little meringue floating on an oil slick. <laughs> That's, That's is that not evocative? It's like Nancy's tit falling out of the sheet. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love that she remembers that so many years later to write that description. Right. She, she definitely has a mind like a steel trap, which I think can also be, you know, she definitely enjoys like drinking, but this is, this is the rare non-addiction memoir. Yeah. Also just going back to what you said about like, she just tried heroin once and was like, okay, this is fine. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> did she, uh, like, did she even had a positive ever. experience on it, on it. And it was like, okay, good. That's fine. Right. And what I honestly thought, cause I didn't know what I was getting myself into yeah. when I read it. I thought this was the turning point. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. been given heroin at a, an emotional point in my life. And from here on, totally. it's, that's how, go- that's it's how I'm going to deal with things. Almost every, always Every is. movie that has ever shown a heroin scene, it's like they do it once and you're like, oh shit. That's, That's it. the rest of their life now. <laughs> nope. Not Viv. Um, so then the slits, so they sign with Island Records. They start recording in the countryside, um, uh, cut their first album. They say that the wife of the guy who owns the, ha- the country house they record at is on some sort of fast where she doesn't eat anything and only drinks her own piss. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's going to be the next thing for, what? like, Instagram influencers, honestly. Right. <laughs> Everyone oh have my, my, my flat tummy secret. I don't eat anything yeah. at all, and I drink my own piss. Hashtag, oh hashtag own piss. <laughs> hashtag sponsored. <laughs> what are you sponsored by, Big Piss? Big Piss. Um, should we listen That's to... That's also my rap name. Nice. Big piss or little little piss? Big piss. Big piss. I guess bigs are out. I guess I'll have to be a little piss. Is that what masterpiece stands for? Probably not. Probably not. No disrespect. Do you want to hear a cut from the actual album? We did just hear a little, heard it on the grapevine. This is off of, uh, the, that was a cut from the album Cut, 1979. Yes. Um, we also already listened to Instant Hit. That was, uh, the Peel Session. Yes. 
Uh, let's uh, get to something that all young women can, or almost all young women I know uh, can appreciate an affinity for, which is shoplifting. <laughs> Great. This is the one I had written down as wanting to hear. Talk to the cashier once I suspect. And if it does, and if it does, So yeah, this is a little back. This still contains their essential idiosyncrasy. Yes. Idiosyncrasy. Uh, but it's getting more into the emerging sound of like what is punk. Like this sounds a lot more like the Clash's first album. Yeah. And even the drum patterns sound much more similar to that. Although it maintains a lot of like the you know synchro- uh, synchronized hits, like mm-hmm. the reggae influence stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She said that a lot of the stuff they wrote had weird time signatures, not because they were trying to, but just because they had no concept of what a <laughs> what a song did. Yeah. <laughs> She also said that um, Ari got so excited recording the well, chorus of this song that she pissed herself. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's there's a lot of piss going on. I love the bass tone on this. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, she said I just pissed in my knickers. <laughs> wow, so much piss. <laughs> so much piss. Amazing. For so, you know, for Viv being so just embarrassed about bodily functions. Just, yeah. It features a lot. Uh, I'm so glad that they kept that in, that part of the recording in. That song was a minute 36, perfect length for a punk song. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Um, I, I recently heard today, this is just totally digressing. <laughs> I heard that if you get 2,500 plays of your album on Spotify, it counts as an album sale, mm-hmm. apparently, which is, is a lot. Uh, 2,500 or 25,000? I think 2,500. Okay. Which is why a lot of people, especially like hip hop artists, are making really short songs again because the shorter your song is, the faster you can get through an album and the faster it counts as a sale, oh. which is a very like streamy that's interesting. thing to do. You can cut that. I just I thought it was funny. No, I think that's interesting. <laughs> we should talk about that with David Turner when he comes we on the should, show. We should. Um, so yeah, the, the slits record, um, they tour America, uh, Viv loves American breakfast, like French toast. It's just the bomb. Um, she says the one good thing that we've given to the world. (laughs) She says that you never look at your plate with disappointment in America. Eating seems to be a penance back home, but in America, (laughs) in America, they make food fun. (laughs) (laughs) True. That's the, that's, we should change our national slogan to eat pluribus union. (laughs) to America. We make food fun. We make food fun. I mean, that yeah. is perhaps the the truest sentiment of the one thing that you could say positively, unequivocally about America. Whether or not it's good or good for you, we do make food fun. You're it's right. True. Purple ketchup. Yeah. Uh, tater tots made into smiley Happy faces. Meal. You want a Happy cookie meal. full of with a ball of Lucky Charms in the middle of it? We got that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, really? How many cheeses do you want on your macaroni? Seven, nine, 13? <laughs> I can keep going. We'll put them on there. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so she she loves American breakfast, don't we all? We make food fun. We make food fun. Uh, then Island drops the slits abruptly uh, after their first album. So rude. They, they were signed. like, hey, these are all a minute and a half long songs They're about like, pissing your oh, pants. Oh, wow. The girl punk band that we signed is too much of a girl punk band. Yes. Boo. 
Um, they sign with CBS and then they make their second album, Return of the Giant Slits, which originally <laughs> it originally comes misprinted on the cover art as Giant Return of the Slits. <laughs> and she Viv has to be like, no, 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 they're giant slits. It's like a metaphor for vaginas. Uh, Wait, really? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm leaving. That's offensive. <laughs> giant return but she says the musical climate has changed like punk is already over um what what year are we in now this this is 80 okay uh so yeah like things have already the 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 fuse is already sort of burned up for Mm -hmm. for punk and again it labels it exists for three months in the in the late mid 70s yeah and then they so they basically they just like she doesn't really b- make too many bones about it, but they break up in uh, 81. They just like, it's kind of like, this is the end for us. There's nothing more we can do with our current, the climate of music. I mean, it, and I mean, not to harp too much on this era, but it's like the Sex Pistols put out their one album and then immediately yeah. implode. And then the Clash are mm-hmm. the only band that matters, uh, <laughs> are the only band that survives out of that thing, but they're, they become their own thing that mm-hmm. is punk, but is also not punk because they do so many other things. Totally. And they're just like this huge guitar rock yeah. band. Um, and then immediately all these other subgroups come up, things like the crass, you know, it, mm-hmm. it immediately starts changing. So what hap, what is to happen from the few other bands that emerge from that scene? And that's nothing. And right. Like if you don't have commercial success, then a label will not be interested. Yeah. If they if they're you're not taking advantage of the trend that yeah. immediately did not exist. Yes. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, um, that's the the fascinating thing about punk is that it's the thing that is like one of the most defining cultural things of the 20th century that also basically almost didn't that basically does not exist. Yeah. So they oh, played their last show. Yes. I actually have a question. Does yes. she have any interactions with Linda Sterling at all? If she does, I don't remember. Like she's like one of my favorite punk chicks because she was. BFFs with Morrissey in the late 70s. And then oh. she was in this band, Ludus, that was like this really weird experimental, like punky band. And she was also a feminist collage artist. Sweet. Which is really cool. And I feel like she and Viv would have been friends. They might. I don't they know. might be buds. Ludus? Yeah, that's what the band's called. And yeah, the girl's Linda Sterling. Well, I, just to put a bow on her, her performance years, let's listen to a, a hair of Earthbeat. I just first want to note that this album cover that I'm looking to is billed as album plus dub mixes and interview. And I just think that the presence of dub mixes is very telling. Yeah. This is almost a little Kate Bushy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Or to jump back to a very different move across the pond like ESG even very percussive heavy just like almost percussion and bass mm. This just reminds me of like like girl pool now. Yeah. It was like such a massive debt to the slits clearly of just like the call and response kindergarten chanty stuff that I love. Yeah, it's very good. I mean, it's definitely cool and interesting. Yeah. I can understand why it wouldn't have much radio success. 
I mean, this is good stone party music. Stone <laughs> late in the night party music. Yeah. yeah. You gotta have it. Again, love the bass tone. Yeah. Damn, All right, where are they head to? Um, the band is over. Viv is 27 years old, and all I've got ahead of me is living in a box room at my mom's. Aww. So, like, she she's dealing with a similar issue that Cherie Curie did when she was out of the Runaways, which is just being like pretty young and having lived kind of an accelerated mm-hmm. life in music, and then you just feel like you don't have anything afterwards. Um, her response is basically to. Just kind of like do nothing for a little a while, which I understand. That's, yeah, that's she's my a decompress to most things. <laughs> she's, she's basically just like I'm just gonna like wait to see what happens to me. Yeah. Oh, this didn't happen. I should continue not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> she said she decided to stop having sex with anyone who she wouldn't want to have a baby with. But after three years of no sex, I gave up on that rule. <laughs> I think I think that's in a she, you know in a, in a different life she could write like a self help book about. Yeah. Wait, like ladies don't like I, don't yeah. have sex with anyone you wouldn't want to procreate with and then there'd just be probably a lot less sex yeah I feel like people would get mad at somebody preaching that role that mm. sounds like something that like a major newspaper op-ed columnist would say that mm-hmm. the kids should do and then everybody on Twitter would get mad at them yeah yes <laughs> and also she she clearly went back on it when she realized that <laughs> But I am no sure whoever she found to have sex with was like some like really fabulous like punk babe dude. <laughs> yes. Um, she also, uh, in an interesting twist, starts teaching aerobics <laughs> at the Pineapple <laughs> Dance Center in London. And she gets so good at it that she like she starts taking aerobics and then she starts teaching aerobics. And then she becomes like the aerobics manager of the Pineapple Dance Center, wow. which um, I love. Is she still involved in fashion in any formal way she so it's actually really funny she mentions um let me see if i can pull this up at the end of her book she says which in the different periods of her life that she sort of marked out which clothes which music and which boys she's interested in so like you know in 1963 1966 it's like Black patent T-bar shoes, long white socks, shirt-waisted dress for parties, white ankle socks, like blah, blah, blah. Music is like, you know, the Yardbirds, Bob Dylan, Dusty Springfield. So let's let's uh, go to her, her lost time. So she just time. has like a list. Yes. I love that. So That's she so says, cool. 1982 to 1984, clothes, boring, music, none, boys, <laughs> none. Oh, that's she, like she says she can't listen to any music. That's like basically where I'm at in my life right now. <laughs> Just no. Oh, no. <laughs> Clothes boring. Sometimes just you, for you just have to have a fallow period yeah. in order to yeah. be able to come back. Look, the only good, perhaps the the one good quote that is worth hanging on to from Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. of "You got to go away to come back." Yeah, is that the one the one thing? Yeah, and I'll, I'll attribute that so more to the David Lynch away. character yeah. that uh, that. Louis C.K. created yeah. in his show. Um, so, she, yeah, she has her... <laughs> Wait, I didn't catch the... I hope he goes away. Well, yeah. Thank you. And then, you know, yeah. maybe after extensive rehabilitation, you can come back, but not for a while. Um, then Viv goes to film school. This is where she tickles my little heart personally. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to film school. She In her spare time, she goes to her college library, and she systematically writes... Libraries, she, yay. Libraries. She writes she or woman <laughs> next to every instance of he or man in every book she can find. Oh, my goodness. Because she says that language shapes minds. It can exclu- include 
exclude, incite, hurt, and destroy. So that's really interesting because I feel like there's so much talk now about pronouns and gender and stuff. And mm-hmm. then this is like what? Like early 80s. Early 80s. And she's like doing this. It's like yes. not a new kind yeah. of discussion. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. And now it's like, you know, obviously she went with lady pronouns, but like I think you could probably still go to a library and replace everything with yeah. they and them. And that might might not be a bad idea. Um, but I think that's that was nice that's of cool. Um She meets this guy who she refers to as the biker. Um, <laughs> and it's love at first sight. Uh, they eventually get married uh, for some time. Does um, this man ever get a name in this memoir? I don't think he does. Mr. Viv. Mr. Mr. Viv, which I kind of love. He goes from the biker to the hubby or the husband. I'm <laughs> um, not a big yeah. fan of referring to husbands no, as hubbies. she's the only person who's allowed to do it. Yeah, it's, cu- it's cute and British when she yeah. does it. Hubby. The hubby. Um, she starts working in film and television. She starts as a freelance second assistant on commercials, filming what she says, two C's and a K, a.k.a. two cunts in a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> a, That's honestly, industry, a format that still exists to this day. The industry standard, two C's and a K. Um, she also starts writing short films. She wrote uh, Kate Beckinsale's first film role. Interesting. I had no idea. Random. When was this? This is in the mid-80s to wow. early 90s. She must have been like a teen, right? Or really young. Or I think so, yeah. She yeah. must have been super young. Um, she also directed like true crime shows for the BBC. I had no idea about any of this. Yeah, same. Is, yeah. She, ha- she had like a whole so other career. Um, and she also directed music videos. Um, so she like had this Lots whole thing going videos. on. Oh, I, I didn't write it down, but some Ooh. like cool people. Probably like New Order. Yeah, like, you know, cool, cool 80s yeah. folks. Okay. Let's see if yeah. I, I can. So she uh, directed videos for the Mekons. Um, she filmed Big Black and Butthole Surfers. Big Black. Live. Northwestern's finest, Steve Albini. Northwestern's mm-hmm. finest asshole. A, fi- a problematic fave. A problematic fave, to be sure. An OG problematic fave. Yes. So, yes. So she has this whole, like, career as a uh, a film person, which I just I just love. Yeah. Um, and then she, so she gets more serious with the biker, and she starts trying to get pregnant. She actually had one. Would she gets more serious after they get married? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They well, they start trying to get pregnant before they get married. Okay, great, great. They're a modern because she's, couple because she's breaking her no sex till pregnancy yeah. rule. Oh, well, she oh, broke yes. that long. Ago. She did. She got she got tired of not having sex, so she started doing that. Um, but no, she so she um, she starts trying to get pregnant. She had an a, a abortion when she was at the tail end of her slits time, um, which was probably Mick Jones's kid, but she doesn't actually say it could have been a few people. Yeah. She said that she didn't regret it at the time, and then she like regretted it like 20 years later, even though she still believes in a woman's right to choose what's right for her own body. Thank you, Viv. Um, so she starts trying to get pregnant. She has several miscarriages. Then she has an ectopic pregnancy, which I don't know if you know what that is, Chris, but it's not good. Yes, I, I'm aware that it's life-threatening. It's like among among the very bad yeah. pregnancies. Yeah. It's um basically what ha- like if you have a, a a fetus that ends up in a fallopian tube, which Yes. Yikes. Not good. Um so then she has to have surgery to fix that, um, which Poor drastically Viv. decreases her chances of having a successful pregnancy. Um the ectopic pregnancy also happened shortly before her wedding night, uh, or her wedding day. Um so then she basically just goes through this period where she she has uh uh 
IVF for 11, no, not, not 11 years. She gets IVF 11 times um, and it doesn't succeed until the 11th time um, because she wants a baby so badly. She said, I met a man I love and I want a baby. Aww. No logic, no sense, a compulsive biological urge. Must baby. She just like, <laughs> want, she just wanted that bad. What is she doing? Is she just doing film industry stuff for her livelihood right now? Yeah, but then at, at a certain point, it's kind of like, it seems like trying to get pregnant is her full. She had to sell her guitars for IVF money. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's um, like, yeah. I feel like that's like the definition of like the struggles of being a woman in punk. Yes. Right there. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. That work-life balance. Right. Yes. Yeah. Not a lot of work-life balance in the no, in the punk musician, female punk musician, no. right? Some mutual it's the guitars or the babies. You got to choose. You got to pick. So she finally gets pregnant. In she has a daughter in 1999, but she's immediately diagnosed. 99. So this ta- this covers like a better part of a decade of her yeah, life. Yeah, like wow. she. Yeah, a lot of it is just her like kind of working and kind of trying to get pregnant. Um, she immediately is diagnosed with cervical cancer. Jesus Christ. So then she spends another several years, like chemo radiation, go like she has a literal like infant daughter while she's getting chemo, which sounds insane. Um, she says, I see life differently now. I can't ever go back to the well side. I've crossed over. So like she, she has this like just different perspective on life from Mm -hmm. this happening to her. And then she heals. She, no longer is a being prodded with a million like tubes and needles and whatever, trying to get pregnant and then getting treated for cancer. So she basically says she's like, she was depressed because she felt violated because so many people were just getting all up in her body's business. Mm -hmm. And then she comes out the other side and is like, Oh great. Like I have a daughter. This is amazing. But also like who the fuck am I now? Mm -hmm. Cause it sounds like as you're going through this and as I was trying to ask about like her livelihood and stuff, it sounds like all the other parts of her identity kind of, fade off as she's trying to gain control and, and, and authority <laughs> yeah. over her body itself. Yeah. And, and, her, and this relationship, I guess that goes on. Well, yeah. I suspect it doesn't last cause we don't get to learn this guy's name. <laughs> yeah. Well, and her, like he, her husband's the breadwinner and I think it, be- what do we know what he does? I forget. He bikes. He bikes, he bikes. Pro- professionally. <laughs> professionally. He's one of those guys at state fairs that bikes in the steel cage. <laughs> Do you know those things? Yeah, yeah. yeah. like uh, Ryan Gosling in The Place Beyond the Pines. <laughs> Real stable career. Yes. Has to turn to robbing banks almost immediately. Um, so after her long period of sort of post-illness depression, she takes an art class, which is ceramics. So she starts to get her groove back. She starts running. Um, she says running helps her accept her body after all the years of medical intervention. Um, but her relationship with her husband starts deteriorating. He basically starts saying... He, they get into an argument and he says, I own you, Ooh, which is oh, like not no. <laughs> big red flag. <laughs> big red flag. <laughs> and he gets pissed at her for spending money on things like getting her legs waxed and dyeing her hair, which I'm like, gotta let what? ladies be ladies. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And he probably then would complain if she didn't do those yeah. things. Exactly. Can't win. Yeah. Um. Around this time when things are starting to get. So at this point, she's been married for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. She gets a letter from Vincent Gallo. Okay. Okay. I don't. I don't trust this. This is going to be a big left turn here. (laughs) How familiar are you with the oeuvre of Vincent Gallo? I mean, didn't he have that thing on his website where he was like selling his sperm? That's the that's the main goss that he tried to sell a vial of his sperm for like a million dollars on eBay or something. He's he's the '90s indie film creep. 
Yeah. The yeah. 90s yeah. film creep. <laughs> is, right? this, is this the idea that someone would be would have his child if they wanted to pay enough money? I, or just I'm not sure if it was meant as it. that or as like an art object. I think I, both. Yeah. A little bit. All right. <laughs> and maybe one influences the other. Yeah. He did that one movie that people have some regard for, the Buffalo movie. And he got into that feud with Roger Eber. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. What, what was the feud? Well, it was when he had that movie, The Brown Bunny, where uh, Chloe Sevigny gave him an actual blowjob. Right. And, like, Roger Ebert wrote a scathing review about how much he hated it. And then Vincent Gallo was just, like, trying to, like, you know, he was, like, insulting Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert all the time. And he was, like, you know, of course, being, like, Ew, you're, like, stupid and fat and don't understand my movie. And I think at one point he was, like, he said, like, he had hexed him or something. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know, but it was just, like, this really ridiculous feud. Oh, boy. Yeah. Vincent Gallo, as far as I am aware of him, seems to be a creature who could only have been born out of the wildly uh, free promotion era of the 90s indie film scene. I'm really curious about his connection to Vincent Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> So he, li- he just sends her a letter saying, I want to talk on the phone, call me. He doesn't say what it's about. It's not necessarily romantic overture, mm-hmm. but he's just like, hey, Viv, like, let's, let's talk. Okay. And <laughs> this, so they start a phone relationship where she, like, calls him and they chat and it immediately... Like the only word I can think of is like it like galvanizes her. Like she's been a like a cancer patient. She's been a mother. She's been a sick person for so long, and she hasn't really been like a sexy woman yeah. in a long time. So even just the talking to Vincent Gallo with his interest in her for whatever reason just like kind of freaks her out. So she says, "I'm high as a kite." For the first time in years, I've been spoken to like I'm a woman, like I'm a girl, and most exciting of all, like I'm an artist. It's what Vincent makes me feel about myself that is intoxicating, not what I feel about him. So, like, he reminds her that she's a cool, sexy, talented woman. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess that really makes sense because he – the stuff that – you know, we we are aware of him seems very in line with the the punk dudes that she might know being like, yeah, hi, it's me, Vincent Gallo. You might know me from the semen selling <laughs> thing or also the getting the blowjob on camera thing. <laughs> yes. But also like, it, yeah, it's this punk rock guy thing of being like kind of smart and kind of stupid. But I think Viv likes that. Yeah. yeah. Of being like very like simple but complex, which well, I understand. Well, yeah. it's like. It seems like the one kindness that all those punk guys have is that they can be kind of smart or kind of dumb, but they take girls like Viv seriously. Yes. Which is a radical thing at that time. Yes. For people, you know, like Viv or Debbie Harry, uh, (laughs) you know, the uh, the. People in in the scene, yeah, yeah, and you know that doesn't extend to all of the the women in the scene because you know there are a lot of women who are still treated as groupies or hanger ons or less than or you know um, I could have also brought up uh, uh, Patty Smith, yes, um, yeah. but but the ones but it is a place that is rife for these creative women to be taken seriously by their contemporaries. It doesn't take much, man. Yeah, it just just a little bit of respect. Yeah, and, and we'll roll with it. All the way. Oh, God. Um, it's so funny that her, like, resurgence of self-esteem comes, is Vincent, comes from Vincent Gallo. I definitely had a record scratch moment when I was reading this. I was like, <laughs> Vincent Gallo? Are you joking? Well, now you have a new 
a new appreciation for him, I bet. Yeah, well, we I do. Go watch Buffalo 66. Sure, 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 sure. That's that's the movie, right? Yes, Buffalo yes. 66. I could never remember if it was 66 or 69. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so obviously this conversation, these conversations with Vincent sort of alienate her from her husband, even though she's not cheating. She is sort of having an emotional mm. affair in a way. And then she is invited to see the slits, the new slits perform in New York City um, because Ari has gotten them back together. I guess Viv said, originally said no to playing with them. And then eventually she, she says yes. Um, but she goes to New York and she tells Vincent, and Vincent is like, I'll be there. <laughs> and this is in 2008. Um, and she, they meet in person, and she's immediately just like sort of starry-eyed and gaga over him because she thinks he's really good looking. But she immediately realizes that this man can't give me back myself. No man can. I've got to rebuild myself on my own. Bollocks. <laughs> um, I, I just I like that she clarifies it's not like she's not in love with Vincent Gallo she's just in love with the way he makes her feel yeah which is as valuable and they she realizes this at this moment they're in a bit like an empty Japanese restaurant and then who walks in Patty Smith oh, my goodness. and she said could there be a clearer sign to get on with my life <laughs> I feel like Patty Smith appeared as a sort of um what happens in Harry Potter when you like a Patronus <laughs> her Patronus yeah, is Patty yeah. Smith if you're Viv Albertine. And you see Patty Smith walk into a restaurant. Even if you've never really met, do you go say hi? I think yeah, I think I she gave ask. her the nod. I think they like gave each <laughs> the other the nod. mutual nod because she did mention Patty, seeing Patty Smith um, on the cover of Horses, and I think she listened to her when Horses came out and was like, "Oh, cool, yeah, this is another yeah. woman who's like doing it, doing the thing." But yeah, I feel like when you're that level of celebrity in that same small group. Even if, if even if you weren't like formal friends, seeing people that many years later, you would just be like, "Well, I feel like I have to yeah. say, like, oh, this is Viv Albertine of the Slits mm-hmm. in the same room as Patty Smith of the Patty Smith Group. We should like shake hands and yeah. introduce ourselves. She even also if we aren't really interested in like being friends or anything. She also might uh, have mentioned that it seems like Patty also maybe knows who like knows Vincent Gallo." <laughs> <laughs> like maybe they know each other too, which I think is really it's like funny. imagining Patty Smith sitting down and being like, "Oh, is that Phil Albertine over? Is she with Vincent Gallo?" Right, this what sort of like date? high school like situation. She also puts a picture of Vincent Gallo, and the, her caption is Vincent Gallo. Well, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> would Would you? <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, so she she realizes like. Vincent helps her find herself again, but she's got to do it on her own. He's mm-hmm. not the boy for the time. He's not the boy for the time. That being said, her marriage is is essentially over because her husband says, so she starts playing guitar again. She buys a guitar because she literally sold all her guitars. She starts playing just like open mics around town. They live in Northern England by the sea. She doesn't say where, I don't think, but you know, a seaside town. Mm -hmm. So she just goes to these old sort of like shanty pubs and plays by herself and sings for the first time. Really people recognize her. Mostly. No, she says Mm -hmm. sometimes they do. Once someone actually said, you kind of remind me of the person from (laughs) the slits. And she's like, Oh really? (laughs) It's me. Uh, so she she's like getting back into music, but her husband says, give up music or give up me, which is the ultimate trash. <laughs> oh, ultimate. He's so rude. Why? What does he have to lose? <sighs> I don't know, man. It just it seems like they they had a, a, a fun courtship and then 
he assumed a role of this murder taker and breadwinner is, is yeah. too uh, it's it paints him as too exciting up front the motorcycle is not the thing that that stays for yeah. for the 20 years <laughs> no motorcycles come and go but assholes are forever yeah. um so she's like cool i choose music <laughs> um and she uh she records an e- like a solo ep um which can we listen to a song from it yeah so what is the name of out? it Oh gosh, it's something Vermilion. Um, and she had never done any other musical projects at all since the Slits, right? No, so not. It's not called at all. the Vermilion Border. It's called the Vermilion Border. Which, as you're looking this up, I just want to say that she lists the bass players who play on this EP with her, and it's totally stacked. Uh, Jim Barr from Portishead. Jaw Wobble from uh from, PIL. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, nice. Jenny Lee Lindbergh from War Paint. So that's like a youngin. Wow. Uh, Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols, Wayne Noons from Tricky, dope. Uh Gina Birch from the Raincoats and uh Tina Tina your Tina girl, Weymouth. Tina Weymouth. Oh, she, oh my do you God. know what song awesome. that she, Tina Weymouth plays? I don't. On? She, uh, she didn't itemize. But uh, yeah, that's she, a really people, lineup. People <laughs> like her and want to play music. Yeah. It's like awesome. calling in a lot. Of favors to get all those people. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of is Travis Barker when Travis Barker recorded his own album of just being like, hey, every rapper, singer, and otherwise person who I've done a favor with in the studio for for like 10 years, can you all write songs for me? And they were all like, yes. <laughs> yes. Anything for you, Travis. All right. Well, just because it's got the craziest name uh, on this album, let's listen to Confessions of a Milk. Yes. <laughs> This is shockingly British. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like the Great British Baking Show in song form. <laughs> also, I feel like you're only allowed to refer to yourself as a MILF if you're like a punk rock innovator. She is. <laughs> yes, it's like anyone else doing it. That would be super annoying. But for her, it's like cool. Yes. Yes, yeah. I agree. Uh, someone else who's recently tried it is a Fergie with milk money and that's just mm. a straight up no it was, for me dog. It was very it was very embarrassing. It's really bad. I and mean what sucks is that she had this video with all of these, you know, hot moms like Chrissy Teigen or I think Kim Kardashian was in it. Yeah. And I think it just uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It really of, turned me off for some reason. Yeah, you need to have that title it's a title someone else gives you. But in Viv's case, she's allowed. She earned it. Yeah. She really earned it. I will say that this is this is a pleasingly punky and abrasive. Yeah. I like the home sweet home refrain. Yeah, the sing songy stuff. It's very good. I mean, it is. It's it is like an amped up English fairy tale. Yeah. British fairy tale. What and this is definitely reflective of her life, where she's just. She's been a, a wife and a mom and not a woman or an artist. 
And she's reclaiming being yeah. a woman and an artist. I mean, the we won't listen to many more songs than this, but just the track titles, you can tell, like, track one, I want more. Uh, track five, hookup girl. Uh, track eight, beclaimed, parentheses, I should have known. Track nine, little girl in a box. Mm-hmm. Track 11, still England. So it seems like her interests right now are exploring her identity outside of where she felt before and also England. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's really in the in in England. Yes. <laughs> uh so is that is that That's it? basically la, la vie de de vive. She ends it she says this is where I am at the moment. A great relationship with my smart beautiful daughter, the freedom to create Occasional confidence that I can cope with anything. Occasional despair and loneliness. No big deal. Not as bad as the flu. Playing some great shows. I still believe in love. Oh, that's such a nice place to end yeah. it. That's so con- like content. That's yeah. Perfect. Yes. Oh, I loved this, guys. Like, I and you said relayed. that this is among the best written. Yes. Books. It's written you're... really well. In that, you know, there there are some chapters that are called just like like she starts with literally masturbation. Like, bless you. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which specifically that she doesn't uh, she doesn't enjoy masturbating. Oh, yeah. She just she gets extremely real. I don't know. Like everyone kind of does in these books, but I it feels like it comes from a genuine place and not one of trying to showboat or be something she's not. I feel like part of that is probably just from her, like not being as much of a big name. Right. As some of the other people. Yeah. Books you've read. Like she's like has a little bit more freedom there because it's like she's more of I don't know. I know this gets overused but a little bit more of a cult figure yes yeah I think so that's, that's right yeah I'm kind of surprised that she didn't I thought that she was going to be more involved in culturally adjacent things I I didn't realize that she faded, faded out of the limelight so thoroughly and for so long because yeah. I knew her name mm-hmm. yeah when you said how about Viv, Viv Albertine's book I immediately like knew of that figure and what era that she was in and kind of thought that she kept doing things like I kind of thought that she kept working in fashion through. through oh yeah. And then when you think of the slits, they were around for such a short period of time. Yeah. As is the case with so many punk bands. Yeah. Well, all right. these bands are like yeah. drops in the ocean that yeah. create ripples that intersect millions of other things. Um, so it's kind of amazing that she, she dips out so quickly yeah. and lives her own life and still seems so influential and, and culty. Yeah. But then comes back, plays some shows with the Slits, starts her own solo career, which Records I don't think she would with, have ever dreamed of doing. Yeah. Um, she's seemed to always want to be like a team player and contribute to a larger part of the whole. And even the idea of her singing and playing by herself is just like really harnessing that confidence that I think she has struggled with. Um, God, she's a badass. Yeah. Yeah. What you were saying before about fashion, did she like design her own things or she kind of just seemed to arrange them? Yeah, just just style them together in a cool way. Yeah, and we were talking before we started recording. She in all the pictures in this book, she itemizes her whole outfits. Like she still remembers where she gets she got everything, whether it was from a like a jumble sale, as she said, or from sex. Like so cool. Like I I love that she has a very sharp memory. Yeah. She's an archivist, I guess. Yes. Which is badass. Well. Oh, boy. <laughs> how'd you feel about that, Abby? I feel like I think it went well. I mean, it's hard <laughs> for me to analyze myself. Well, how do you feel about Vib? 
Oh, I mean, she seems super cool. I really want to read this book now. Um, I will lend it to you. (laughs) I'm also always just fascinated by people who are part of a scene, like right as it's starting and are in the right place at the right time. She definitely seems to be one of those people. So that's just always fascinating for me. I think partly because of something I can't relate to at all because I'm like very... You know, I tend to be more of a shy person and don't necessarily go out there and, like, find the scene. So just, like, yeah. all the connections with, you know, the Clash and the Sex Pistols are super interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. She seems, as you said, totally badass. I don't <laughs> think I don't think that you realize that you're in a scene yeah. until, the, until there are suddenly True. more reporters around yeah. than there are your friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, but it does, yeah. But it does take a certain kind of person to be at that ground zero, yeah. Who who has the right ideas and the right to vibe? Have this like very creative energy where you're yeah. like going and seeking out the cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was definitely making an active choice to, if not partake in the scene, at least be the that the kind of person that mm-hmm. would be in it. Even just like it sounded honestly like a pain in the ass to dress <laughs> like a punk. She said, you know, skinheads were always trying to kick her ass like even just walking from her bus stop to sex was the hardest thing for her to to do because people would just mess with her have any of the other band members written memoirs or is it just her that's a great question i have no idea past yeah she she died of breast cancer um a couple years ago which is horrific um because I feel like you see that a lot where it's like there's just these conflicting stories and it's like she may seem really cool in her memoir, but then you'll read someone else's memoir. And it's yeah. like she's a bitch. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, we should definitely try to to find a the counterpoint. But I don't know if anyone from the Slits actually wrote yeah. a memoir. Aria uh, passed in 2010 at the mm-hmm. age of 48. Yeah. So young. Really she was sad. super young. Considering that she was, she so was young part when she of that scene. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. and I mean, it's crazy what you were saying about her being, like, 15 years old as, yeah. like, the yeah. front woman of a band. Yes. She's a just a baby. Yeah. I'm also looking at uh, Paloma McClarty. Palmolive. Palmolive. Yes. Yeah. Who it just seems like one of those crazy European things whose name is, <laughs> whose last name is McClarty, but is Spanish, but then moved to England <laughs> to be in the Slits of the Rich. Well, did she, did she marry a, a, a Brit eventually or something? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure, sorry, it was, yeah. was Ni Romero. Yeah. <laughs> so there aren't. So there, but there aren't like conflicting. I don't memoirs. think so. Yeah. Not not yet. No, my my big dream on this show is to do a Rashomon where we get four different people to read yeah. the four different biographies of Kiss, the four different memoirs oh, of the members. Oh, of that would Kiss, be so good. And try to piece together yeah. the true story of Kiss. Yeah, I feel like. Wait, wasn't there like a viral tweet about that recently where it was like reading all four kiss mem- memoirs Branson and be Reese. like the worst version of Rashomon. Yes, Branson Reese, who, <laughs> is really my, funny. who is my number one person to get on the show to do it because he is the kiss expert. I need, so just need funny. to find a female kiss fan out there who wants to come on and read the fourth kiss memoir. <laughs> sure, memoir. Surely there is one. Yes. Uh, but you have to be as big of a fan as Branson Reese uh, to, to get it. Um, Anyway, that's an Anne introducing. Uh, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you. Uh, stopping by, Abby. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. It was lots of fun. Are there any movies of the punk era that you particularly like? Oh, oh, this is a good question. There was actually, um, 
Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of really great ones. And there was actually a series at BAM a few years ago. Um, yeah, I remember Of this. like punk girl films. Oh, sweet. Um, which I feel like that just print out a list of that and then you have them all. But um, yeah, like stuff like Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. That's a really fun one. I've not seen that. Oh Same. my God, you've got to see it. Um, Diane Lane fronting a punk band. <laughs> oh, okay. That baby Laura Dern is also in. Oh my God. And then like all their fans are like wearing, like copying their looks and like wearing these crazy red and black outfits. Um, also, I just love that like, one of Diane Lane's catchphrases in the movies, just we don't put out. <laughs> great. Um, yeah. So there's that. There's um, Times Square is a really good one with like these two punk girls on the run in Times Square in like the early 80s. Sweet. And uh, Tim Curry is in it as a DJ. Okay. Great. And it also has like, they also. Wow, these are deep cuts. I, I, yeah. I, I've heard of the Fabulous Saints. I've not heard of this Times Square. Oh, movie. you would love Same. it. You guys would yeah. definitely be into it. Um, yeah. And then, of course, there's my fave, Desperately Seeking Susan, which is a little Which later. we just watched recently. We just but watched for the first time recently, which is oh my so, God, so good. Time. Very it's good. So, so good. It's Notable so for shots good. inside the cafeteria, which I, mm-hmm. I, I love seeing punk spaces. Yeah. Uh, like, God, I can't believe I have to put, bring up this, this guy in, in addition, but um, then that one Woody Allen movie where they go to CBGB's and he doesn't like it. Oh yeah. Hannah and her sisters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Diane Weist. Yeah. I mean, my favorite part of that movie is just a full movie crew shot inside yeah. CBGB just to see what it looks like. Yeah, well no, lit and stuff. Funny. Um, <laughs> that is my main takeaway from that movie. Um, and yeah, I love, I love desperately street. Seeking Susan, obviously, but just like the way it just cap that's one of those movies where it's really there right in like the like the best part of this moment that was just starting and just capturing Madonna's energy and capturing yes. the downtown New York energy, capturing Love Saves the Day, that thrift store she goes to. Yes. Which mm-hmm. I had been to a few times and is no longer there. And then that building that it was in was the one that like it's a horrible story that like caught on fire a couple years ago. Oh no! Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's Although really sad. we have been to the uh, Love Saves the Day collection, the satellite store in uh, New Hope, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was there once. Yeah. So I touched a clothes that maybe Madonna touched once. Possibly. You have like a like slight residual Madonna essence. I'll t- oh I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take any ounce. You know, fuck Vincent Gallo's sperm. I would take Madonna's <laughs> sperm. Her clothes. Her cl- clothes sperm. <laughs> You know what I mean. Yeah. Her, es- um, her essence. Yeah. No, but those are like the main ones. Also, I feel like a lot of these like punk girl movies are like a little later than the actual punk That scene. are trying to recreate a little bit. Yeah. It's like more of an early 80s thing, I think, when it comes to film. But I'm sure there are mm-hmm. also ones that I'm forgetting right now. Um, Times Square. I'll have to watch this. It yeah, looks great. for sure. I'm, I'm looking at, at stills oh from it, and it, it looks great. It also has like one of the best cinematic uses of Roxy music because it opens mm. with a girl walking through the street as same old scene is playing, and it's like super like just this like New York by night. The fucking stills from this look amazing. Like all, I'm looking at a a scene of five girls all with band eye makeup across their faces wearing trash bag yeah, dresses. Yeah, yeah, the trash bags. That's Sick. like a big thing in it. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. Love well, <laughs> Abby, is there anything you would like to plug before we dip out of here? Oh, my goodness. Um, Just of like my own stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you want to see this more. Will, this will come out in like two-ish <laughs> two weeks. Okay. Weeks. Um, well, if you want to see more of my work, I am 
you know, freelance writer. So I'm writing everywhere, anywhere that will have me. And you can find more of my work at abbybender.wordpress.com. I'm also on Twitter as Abby underscore Bender. And my name is spelled Abby like the road, A-B-B-E-Y. <laughs> People <laughs> always leave out the E, which is annoying. Um, Some other much lamer Abby probably yeah, is squatting also, on that handle. Also, people always assume my name is Abigail, which is it is not. Um, so it's I have Abierson. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I've got a nickname as my real name. You were so, full, full, full Abby, full Abby. Sweet, yes. yes. And um, yeah, so I mean, you know, I'm just trying to write a lot. So look out for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Abby's got a good Twitter. She's a good follow. Oh, thank you so much. Hell yes. <laughs> Molly? Um, I'll you know, I'll plug myself on Twitter where I remain underrated. Uh at Miss <laughs> Molly Mary. Follow me there. I have like a, a a small amount of devoted followers. I probably average like one fave per tweet. <laughs> but that fave is like it's, it's just a the significant best, fave. It's just the best part of my day, you know? Uh <laughs> sorry. I have nothing to plug. I will. You already have missed me uh, on the West Coast. If you uh, once this comes out, uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at say what again, where currently somebody is yelling at me for talking about Queer Eye on Chapo Trap House, which is fine. They're wrong. I'm right. It's OK. Who's yells? Uh, it's some nobody. It doesn't matter. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, follow me there at say what again and uh, listen to this show more. Do it. And as always, uh, you can rate and review and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please. But tell a friend if you listen to this and you enjoyed it, just like say, oh, I heard a good show that was about music and books and fashion and clothes and boys. <laughs> uh, boys, girls, clothes, pants. Yeah. I just, hey, hey, man, you like pants? <laughs> yeah. We have a Who podcast. Doesn't? Who doesn't? I don't know. There's some people who just like don't they don't like pants. And that's fine. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> fine. Uh, but yeah, if you like the show, most importantly, just tell a friend about it. Have a, invite them to have like a matcha or something. Say, text your best friend, <laughs> hey, we need to talk. And, <laughs> and don't elaborate. Don't, <laughs> and then don't say anything else. <laughs> until you form a time and a place to talk and have them meet you in person. No, I And think, then say, <laughs> I listen to this great you podcast. It's called Andrew's. Yeah, we have what we talk about when we talk about this. Oh, yeah, that works. Yeah. Uh, but also follow us on Twitter at andintropod or send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. Our SoundCloud is at always, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Uh, I already went through the <laughs> subscribe stuff again. So uh, until two weeks from now, I've been Chris Wade. Uh, I've been Molly O'Brien. And this has been And Introducing. Introducing. <laughs>